the negative mind will always try and protect you. You know, it'll take you back to your old ways all the time and that, but once you sort of start saying to yourself, you know, it's okay, then all of a sudden it starts to work. Once you start hitting the moment, that's what life's all about. That's, that's what we're meant to be doing as humans. Aaron, and this is my Find Your Feed podcast. I bring my podcast to you to help share the stories of inspiring individuals such as Aaron's to help us all to learn more, to lean in, and to ultimately lean out as well, to step up and to find our feet and to be the change that we wish to see in the world. And today's conversation is so important as we think about all of this, because what I'm hoping that I bring to you through this conversation with Aaron is an understanding about our health and well-being and how we can strive to flourish in a world which is sometimes working against us. See, Aaron has set himself up a small business in rural Victoria called Outback Mind when he saw the need to provide his community and other busy Australians with wellbeing solutions that help us to manage anxiety and stay healthy in our body, mind and spirit. Aaron himself overcame crippling anxiety and a poor lifestyle behaviours before turning his weaknesses into strengths, physically at first, but then in spirit and mind as well, becoming a coach, a teacher of meditation, yoga movement and anxiety management programs. And I feel really, really fortunate to have been a part of Aaron's journey for a little while since he left the corporate world and embarked on this business, or we'll call it side hustle venture. I've also read his book, A Wink from a Guru, which has a forward by AFL great Paul Roos, and I can't recommend it enough. It's a very open, candid exploration of not just Aaron's lifestyle, but some of the lessons that we can learn from it. Aaron's vision is to empower people to live free of physical and mental illness by building healthy lifestyles that help us to thrive into the next decade and beyond. And so what I hope that you can take away from this conversation is that whilst health and well-being is a sliding scale, and I see Aaron as just a role model and exemplar of the pinnacle of where you could get to, that there are small tidbits and take-homes and opportunities for you to embed just even small parts of what he talks about into your own lifestyle and that's sort of how I see it I know I'm not perfect and I know that I could do more but I do my best with what I have and I know that I'm always striving to do more so I think it's about more about trying than it is about getting this perfect I don't believe that health and well-being is a perfect place we just need to lean in and have a go at striving for our health and well-being But before we lean into this conversation with Aram, I do just want to bring your attention yet again uh, to find your feet and the amazing work that's going on behind the scenes there. So first of all, I just want to thank the team at Find Your Feet, which is our store down here based in Tasmania and Hobart, but we also have a large online presence as well. So for any of our listeners, wherever you are, we'd love to help you with all the tools and 
um, resources that you need for your wild adventures. So from trail running, which is our heritage, through to travel, life, the outdoor lifestyle, and even hiking, we have everything that you will need. So if you'd like to tap into this resource, you can make contact with the store um, through the website, but you can also just jump online and have an exploration. And if there's something that tickles your fancy, then you can access a 20% discount for your first order with us by typing in the word podcast to the checkout discount code area. So 20% discount by typing in the word podcast. And as you think about the journey that you might be on, perhaps you need a bit more of a helping hand. Um, so you might like to check out the plethora of resources available on my own website, www.hannyalston.com.au. There you can find more information about my trail running guidebook, which can, by the way, also be purchased through the Find Your Feet store. But there's also lots of other resources. So from trail running and road running training planners to my blog, which covers a plethora of topics and also all the past podcast episodes on this Find Your Feet podcast. And when you're there, don't forget to sign up to my newsletter because I would love to be able to keep in touch and let you know about new things coming out all the time. And finally, I want to also just bring your attention to our Find Your Feet tours. Look, they started off, I guess, with a love of trail running and wanting to show you wild landscapes that have made our toes tingle. But more and more, we're not just exploring the far-reaching corners of the world trail running, but we're also exploring ourselves and the journey that we are each on. So when you come on the tours, I think you'll find that you will learn, you will grow and you will come back wanting to be wilder and play wilder and ultimately seeing this love affair flowing into your wild performances too. So have a look at our Find Your Feet Tours website, www.findyourfeettours.com.au. There are some very limited places still available on some of the international trips for 2020, but everything else is sold out. So don't hesitate if you'd like to come and join us. Alrighty, I think it's time to tap into the knowledge and inspiration of Aaron. I think you will absolutely love this conversation. So shall we do it together? I'm ready if you are. Let's go. Here's Aaron. For me, the motivation's always just been, you know, to understand the stories that people have and to learn as much as I can about the world that we live in and how to live in it in a mm. more sensitive way. Mm -hmm. um, my absolute belief at the moment is that we need to step up. I kind of say we need to lean in, we need to step up, mm -hmm. uh, and it's for the sake of healing the planet Absolutely. at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah. 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 Big time. Yeah. And we're, be we're becoming so removed from that you know from from nature and, and actually becoming more um disconnected because of the lifestyle that you know the world's taking us about con around consumerism so to give you an example the guy where i stayed last night he's read my book and he's come forward and there's a mate of mine from here he said he was like molested at school at uh, in bernie at the catholic college um all this stuff happened to him but he hasn't told anyone he's held it back his whole life you know, by drinking and all that stuff. And he's like, his gut's out here. But now he's changing. I'm starting to put some stuff together for him. And he's really serious about changing. But walk into his house 
The TV is nearly the size of that wall. So much stimulation. I went for my run this morning, get back and do yoga, and he's eating like peanut butter muffins and that sort of thing. So, you know, the work's got to really be put in. But his whole life's around like, you know, stimulation. Like I got there last night, TV's on, I just wanted to go to bed. And he's eating chicken wings, watching this big TV. So his mind's like going to be on, you know, for hours after he goes to bed. His gut's working while he's trying to sleep, you know. So that's the lifestyle most people are in. They're just constantly, you know, in that sort of um, fight and fight mode because you know the body's in shock because of the food they're eating. You know, the stimulation's coming from yeah. outside sources, but they're not actually getting back to the real stuff. You know? yeah. How do you? How do you? begin to make change because we work at different ends of the spectrum in so many ways Mm. and yet we have the same values and the same belief systems but the people that I work with generally are already making these changes like they're still we still fall down and I I still fall down myself and I can't wait to ask you about some of the, the traps that I fall into but how do you begin to make change with someone that that's been their whole life yeah that's right yeah you've really got to look at you know, giving them an understanding of what makes them happy, what what it really is outside of consuming something. So putting something in their mouth or stimulation, and usually it gets back to fishing or doing something in nature. So getting to that mindset of where they actually feel calm, you know, and then having them understand that that's really their natural way of being. And then once that sort of, you know, um, switch flicks, then all of a sudden I say, well, maybe I need, don't need to do this or do that. So supplementing the food for something that might be better um, for you that's going to digest quicker, which is a better combination rather than something that you know puts your, your body into a, a distressed state uh, and that settles your mind down. And then really, like it's, it's hard. I need to be working with more corporates that are more aware rather than ones that are sort of you know down here. And that's, that's sort of where it's coming from. But... Um, um, it's not easy. It's not easy. So for me personally, I was like that. I had to, you know, go to the gym and like, as I said in the book, make sure no one was watching me so I could actually like learn and look at myself and, you know, go through all the shit, you know, and really that's what it is. It's all the self-doubt you've got to push through to be able to come out the other side. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. You know? Yeah. And self-talk. And you know? then I feel like self-doubt is literally wrapped up in a wrapping of guilt. Like oh, absolutely. It's like a yeah. present that your, your brain continually tries to give you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. What, it, what it is is because we're so conditioned to support the economy through school that we're just so trained to be judgmental about ourselves. You know, once we can sort of move through that and actually start to see that uh, things are okay, this is where meditation's been so good for me to actually, you know, just understand that everything's fine. Once you get back to your neutral mind, you can sort of see where your mind's going, whether it's negative or positive, and sort of, you know, be able to capture that and get back to that more neutral state. And, you know, you get that through your long runs, and, mm. um, you get it through breath work and, and other sorts of things. But that's always there. You strip away all the rubbish and get back to that pure sense of self. That's really where the answers are. Yeah. End of the day, yeah. I completely hear that, but I think probably the biggest challenge and um, rebuttal that would come from people even listening to us and people that I've worked with is that as soon as they step out of their running shoes and they're back in their normal world, Mm. they feel like it all hits them again. Spot on. So, like, how you... Yes, you need to kind of go towards what you love, but then how do you 
carry that energy through the rest of your life is, I think, the question that we're probably trying to help people yeah, answer. Yeah, routine. Yeah, really yeah. it is. And, and you ask any any human being that's, that's you know, awakened or, you know, got some sense of awareness and it's every morning tuning into really what's going on. Yeah. You know, and, and if you look at Buddhism, if you look at... Um, uh, you know the, the the yogis and so forth. You know every morning between three and six or whatever they're up doing their meditation because they know that's the time when the mind's most calm and that's when the mind can start to really settle and then you can start to capture that and that transitions into, into your day. So you actually take it into your day, you know, and all the rubbish just bounces off you. So you know it's sort of so absorbing all the crap, which sort of drags you away from that, <laughs> and that that can stay with you for your whole life. They really can. So is that yeah. is that what your routine is? Like I, I had this down maybe a bit later, but I'm I want to delve into it now. It feels so relevant. Like, can you talk us through your routine or me through your routine? Yeah. Of a day because I know having read your beautiful book, A Wink from a Guru, it's taken quite a long while I think for you to really find this routine, but it seems like it's working. Mm, absolutely, it, it has. Like it all started with uh, with fitness. So it all started with, you know, going to the gym and then, you know, um, looking at basically what I what I had to do so on a daily basis. So, you know, having, um, you know, set schedules to do set things, so cardio and then weights and then recovery. And then at the end of the session, it was all about, I feel good, so I just wanted to sit. And that, that basically led me into meditation, so breathing, you know, starting to actually feel settled again. And that gave me the feeling like I had when I was a kid. Now that just pure sense of self before all the rubbish came in. So I guess um, the routine came from that. So it came from the, the, you know, the fitness and then into the stretching and then the meditation. So the meditation is really what it's all about, you know. Uh, the destination is meditation. That's, yeah. that's really what it's all about at the end of the day. You yeah. get to that meditative mind. Um, like as I said about what happened to my mum, she got to that at the end of her life. But you know, I don't think we need to wait. I think we can get to that every day if we, I completely if we choose agree. to. Yeah, 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 we can get to that. And this is where we can learn so much from you know people that have got uh, that that level of self awareness. Mm. In Australia, we don't have that because, as I said, we're so conditioned to support the economy. It's all about you know doing, 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 but not actually a real, a allowing and receiving and giving. And I'd never receive compliments. I'd never allow myself to feel comfortable when someone gave me a compliment, you know. But now, actually, I, I accept it. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> so I have a yeah, yeah gratitude practice in that now. And uh, I never used to think that I, I was, you know, grateful for anything. But now every day when I go to bed, I think of three, three good things that have happened. And then um, uh, when I start the day, you know, th three things I'm grateful for. And I think that's really helped me change. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's really interesting. I think um, accepting compliments is, is probably one of the hardest challenges. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I could never do that. I probably still am a little bit resilient, but now I'm sort of saying, well, yeah, look, I'm okay to do that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. it's probably because, like, our mindset, I mean, for you and I, is that we don't do things to seek compliment, you know, as in we normally are fairly self-sacrificing in a lot of what we do and mm. I just had a long ramble on the podcast just recently about my experience running through the Pyrenees Mountains mm. and how I really had to work through so much guilt and it took probably two to two and a half weeks to kind of get through mm. it 
the guilt of being out there doing something for myself purely because I wanted to do it and I didn't have to have another underlying motive mm. to um, to do it and often the motive has been about sharing that with other people Spot on. and um, yeah so it's really interesting but absolutely yeah because we're so conditioned you know through school to think um, you know what are people going to think about me um, you know I should be doing something else you know, I'm doing this run, but I should be back, you know, doing something for my business or whatever it may be. But it's actually been the the great thing about meditation is just allowing you to see that and drop it and just be in the moment. Once you start hitting the moment, that's what life's all about. That's that's what we're meant to be doing as humans. You know, we're actually meant to be living in the moment. And if you look at a, I always go and look at a, an animal or a bird or something in nature and just watching how they're flying with life. And, and you know what it's like when you're pushing yourself, all of a sudden you can start to see flow in the trees, you can see the sky, you know, the clouds are moving and all that sort of stuff. And I believe that's the way we're meant to be. You know, the mm. human mind will go up and down like a yo-yo, that's the way it works. But if you can just clear all the rubbish and get back to that pure sense of, of self, that's really what it's all about. Mm. You know? And that's, that's the way we're meant to be. Because of life the way it is, um, we're just constantly in flight and fight. Yeah. 90% of our lives in fight and flight, you know. Yeah. 10% in our parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. It's not enough. It should be 50-50 or, or, or less. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, all right. I'm, oh, this, I have so many questions, but I feel like just it would be really nice to maybe go back a little bit to the beginning and understand a little bit about um, where you've really come from as mm. an individual and why all of this has just become such a, a heartthrob and a profound yeah. part of your life. Yeah. So, like, obviously, I've read the book. Um, I yeah. love it, by the way. Yeah, oh, it was pretty basic, but, uh, yeah, got a bit of stuff in there, which is good. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, actually, yeah. on that, just before we go back to, to some stories, um, I'm just wondering what it... Where the, the title A Wink from a Guru came from. Yeah, Yogi, oh, Yogi Bhajan, who's a Kundalini yoga guy. So, um, like, as I sit in there, like, I just got drawn into this um, Kundalini yoga through being in New York a few years ago and just <clears throat> was walking past a, um, like a, a, a centre down one of the streets and I just got this, like, real pull to go back up into this studio and this girl came out with all this white clothing on and um, she told me about Sadhana, which is getting in there early and doing a practice. And, and Yogi Bhajan is the guy that brought Kundalini Yoga to America. So he's from Nepal. Um, he wanted to heal the West, basically. So he came to you know New York or America in um, the 80s and started bringing this Kundalini Yoga into you know America and into Western society. So it's filtered out into Australia and so forth now. It's, it's hard. Like, it's, you know, I, I don't practice, I, I practice Kundalini as part of my own practice, but I don't teach it. I'm a teacher, but it's it's very, very confronting to a lot of people because it's difficult. You know, it's holding postures for long periods of time and, you know, really mentally challenging yourself and um, and chanting and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, all of a sudden I'm, I'm into this, uh, I suppose, cult. And, um, you know, it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about just what life's all about. Know, stripping back all the rubbish and actually just seeing the pure self. And one of one of the things that he says is, once you live in the real self, you are God. So if you you really are back to who you really are, then the universe is is yours for the taking. I'd really love then to kind of go back to the 
to the story just to fill people in. Um, yeah. If they want to hear a lot about it, I'd recommend the book because yeah. I think you write about it so candidly and so, so yeah. openly. Yeah. Um, but Horsham was where you grew up in rural Victoria. Mm, I'm back there now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's really, it's a, um, look, I've, I've gone back there for a reason and a friend of mine, like I'm finding it hard to live there. It's not an easy, it's just wheat belt. There's none of this. It's just like paddocks and stuff. So there's no beauty. My, my running's running around a, a flat lake now. Um, but um, it is challenging, you know, and as I said, I'm there for a reason just to see how people, how, how tough it is for people out there. The drinking culture comes from boredom, I think, you know, and I was bought into that. You know, it was either ride dirt bikes and, and you know, um, fix cars and or play footy. And, you know, if I didn't want to do that, then you're you're out of the scene. So I sort of fell into that uh, drinking culture. Do you feel like anything has changed from, you talk about that a lot in the book about the drinking culture within friendships, community, but also within family. But do you mm-hmm. feel that that has changed at all in Horsham or is still an issue? Yeah, it's still definitely an issue. Absolutely. But this is helping people wake up a little bit to see people. So what is helping people? The, the, the book. Yeah. yeah okay. So people can see me because of, of change and people want that. You know, people actually want to, to change deep down. I'm sure of it. It's just a matter of having a guide or, a, you know, a, um, someone that's actually being able to, to show the way. Yeah. So that's really why I'm there, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, and again, skipping ahead again, but we'll go back into the story in a moment, but I think that's probably been one of the most profound lessons that I've learned recently is the importance of being able to model excellence. Mm. Um, I think like, growing up through sport, I kind of always strive to be towards the top so yeah. I actually didn't have role models because I wanted I wanted to be alongside the role models if mm, that made sense and yeah. I also believe that it was important for us all to find our own path in life Spot not on. to follow but yeah, yeah. what I've come to really understand is that we need models of excellence because they allow us to kind of fast track the crap mm. um, and so I guess that's kind of that's what you're saying that that was a motivation to go back to Horsham was to bring a model of excellence back to a setting where people are bored and alcohol is abundant. Yeah, spot amongst on. other things. Correct. Yeah, and it's taken time. Like I haven't just been able to walk in there and uh, you know be the pod piper. Um, so how did you do it? How did you we, integrate back in and, and gain that rapport with people? People could see my level of fitness when I was back there, and, and the male ego was. Um, drawn to that you know so people could see I could push myself and I was someone that could never do that you know so I'd go to the running club and I'd, I'd run really well and um, but then after a while I sort of you know lost connection with that um, through yoga really is the way you know I really believe that so yoga really the the physical part of yoga is only one part of yoga and it's all about union so it's actually bringing union with within yourself so you're starting to feel who you really are again so through the physical body your mind settles down and then you start to you know become more whole and you know for me teaching yoga in a community like that was palatable um it's very if we use the yin and yang philosophy very yang um community so it's all gym and you know oh yeah do this do that you know, show off but yoga teaches you to just, just get back to that yangness, uh, the, the more calm, relaxed state. And um, so I've been teaching yoga there. I've got a really good following. Guys are starting to come now. I'm starting to teach football clubs. So football clubs need 
the physical side of yoga to help them um, avoid soft tissue injuries. I really believe that. That's mm. why I really, oh, yeah, uh, yeah I, sure. I, I love yin yoga because it just helps you know, myofascial release and the body can start to balance out again so you're less prone to have problems. But also the beautiful part of that is it actually settles your mind down. So people are starting to realize, oh, yeah, this is what, this is what I need to do to feel calm rather than whacking a beer in or, you know, using something outside. It's actually getting back to feeling back to the real self, like as Yogi Bhajan said, you know, get back to the real self and you are God. So people start to feel, you know, who they're meant to be again, you know, through their body. And really uh, that's what it's all about, you know, giving people tools maps and tools to be able to understand who they are and manage themselves around that and if you look at chinese medicine you know the meridian clock and how we're sort of meant to be living with the seasons and the cycles and all those sorts of things it all makes sense look at an animal in nature and how they're behaving you know around certain times of the Mm -hmm. year we're meant to be the same we're working against ourselves too much rather than with ourselves with the with the flow of nature yeah that's what it comes down to yeah yeah so I guess the language that's connected me to my community has been around playing wilder and particularly the trail running scene. Spot but on. your yeah. your connection into your community is through the yoga. Yeah. And it's from from that point, that ground basis of rapport that you then what begin to implement other ideas in people's Absolutely, yeah, 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 of course. And you know, people come to yoga with very busy minds very busy minds and um you know we'll start a practice with breathing so alternative nostril breathing so you're activating both hemispheres of the brain Mm -hmm. most people are in anticipation or memory so they're thinking about the future or worrying about the past consistently so if you can you know use tools to be able to balance that and they start to you know get out of that thinking mind and back to their sensing mind again that makes them feel good all of a sudden they think there's something in this you know Mm. And that's just uh, the, the spark to actually get people, you know, moving forward with their life rather than actually, um, you know, staying still or going backwards all the time. And that's what most of the, uh, the society is like. So do you, do you feel that people, though, especially in a community that has such an entrenched culture of mm. using alcohol and yeah. watching, watching television and, you know, t- to overcome boredom or to fit in to, to find their social scene their tribe mm. do you feel that like that is, that the changes that you're trying to make within like say a yoga class is enough for them to like have that change carrying through their life are you beginning to see that it's a daily thing absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. you can't just say i've got it and then uh, and then you're away you know you, you start to do things every day that actually um, <coughs> create habits so those habits become routines and lifestyle behaviors and all of a sudden the bad stuff that you've been doing starts to fade away eventually so and that brings us back the full circle to the models of excellence spot so, on yeah. yeah so a lot of the work that i'm you know beginning to to do with people is for to, to help people to understand the strategies that they put in place yeah. so believe it or not in absolutely every single thing that we do in life we actually have a strategy mm. that has a trigger that we then operate through a process that we then test to make sure we get the outcome we want and then we exit. Mm. And it's right down to the simple things of making a cup of tea or brushing our teeth. And Mm. I guess what you're trying to say is like, let's change the trigger. Let's bring awareness to the way people are running these strategies and then let's see if we can change the strategy. Spot on. Yeah, Yeah, spot on. You look at uh, Tony Riddle, what he's doing with running. This is why we're meant to run, but we're doing it the wrong way. That's like the way we're living in life. We're fighting against what nature really wants us to do. 
And, you know, getting back to what I was doing in the health system, like just seeing things that I know are just, you know, really way out of whack, you know, you just need to get back to the, the basics and then we start to heal and we yeah. start to, you know, feel mentally well and all that again rather than confusing and forcing against it, you know. A friend of mine in Melbourne, he eats three meals a week and he says you just don't force, you just allow just allow things to happen, you know, do things when they're right rather than actually forcing it, you know, hmm. and, and things just occur and, and appear at the right time. Hmm. That's what it comes down to, you know. Yeah. So, so you would have been running and you would have come to a, a corner and you thought, well, I can go that way or that way. Once you go that way and all of a sudden these things start to appear, a bit like the house, you yeah. Know, that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of serendipitous, isn't it? Absolutely, you know? yeah. Um, That's why we're meant to be in, in, in reality. And guess, so much yeah. of that is because what we think we're thinking we think that's all we're thinking mm. and yet we don't realize like that's just the tip of our conscious thought is like the tip of the iceberg and really most of what's going on in our life is happening subconsciously Absolutely. in the unconscious Spot one. Spot on. Yeah, 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 dead right. So that's why, you know, my practice is really good every morning because you just sweep the subconscious mind, get rid of all the rubbish and you get back to that real, you know, balance again, I suppose, being able to see the consciousness, see the unconsciousness and be able to, you know, intertwine within that. Mm. I suppose, and and I just think that's the way we're meant to be. Okay, and I feel like we're like we're <laughs> we're going on so many <laughs> tangents, and it's just because you and I are so avidly um, believing this as a topic, and yeah. our brains are going to be electric for the next hour or so. But so on that, and I'm aware we never kind of tied the knot on that. Can you talk me through? what your morning routine is from like when you when you wake up and how that plays out and how yeah. that begins your day yeah yeah definitely yeah, i'm like i'm here i've had to adapt a little bit so this morning went running and you know i did meditation and cold share and all that but um getting back to 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 pure my pure routine out of bed you know, we've been in a yin yoga posture for maybe six, six or seven hours. So cooled up like that. So you got to move your body to get uh, get it, you know, functioning. Again. Otherwise, all your your fascia starts to tighten. So sit on the side of the bed, put the arms up, do what's called breath of fire. So rapid breathing. So so breathe, breathe, you know, breathe, uh, breathe deep in uh, through the lungs and push the belly button back. So navel breathing. So do that for five minutes. Then get up and do a squat. So get up. I you know, just. Get down, just do a squat. Keep the feet nice and flat. Just get as low as you can. Push the hands together to balance the brain. And just, you know, hold that for a minute or two. Mm. And then do some physical stuff. So whether it's a run or whether it's out in the... I've got a, like a setup in the shed. So I throw some kettlebells around. Um, uh, you know, walk on the hands and the feet just to get the body back working again. Uh, and that, that physical practice goes for an hour, roughly. You know, if I go for a run, it might be a bit longer, depending on, you know, what I'm doing. Get back, uh, do yoga. So do physical you know, yoga practice uh, to stretch the body and then do meditation. Hmm. Yeah. So, so takes, how long, yeah, how long does that take you to play through? Two hours, two and a half. Yeah. And best, you know, early, starting, you know, before 4 a.m., but no, this morning was a bit later. The bed I slept in was terrible. <laughs> so and as I said, like the, all the stimulation that um, was in that house, you know, it took me a while to wind down when I went to bed. Mm. So, but, you know, usually I'll do some yin yoga before I go to bed. So that's stretching the body out and it just settles the mind and, you know, you sleep a lot better. Do you do that me. every day? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. yeah without, without fail. 
So then that brings me to the question of like fatigue. You know, a lot of us like have days where they like yesterday kind of run a little out of control and mm. the end of the day and you're, you're like quite bleary, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. For me, like I come alive again with like a really, you know, nutritious dinner and yeah. just some unwind time and yep. having a giggle and on the couch with Graham, well, on the floor yeah. normally with Graham. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but I think then there's a bit of a notion like if you've had a big day, it's important to get the beauty sleep to sleep in mm-hmm. to recharge yes. sleep is critical we both yep. know that agree yeah yep. how do you how do you harmonize that my body automatically wakes up you know three o'clock three thirty wake up it's just it's just it's but just you've trained happy. it too yeah that's yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah definitely um look i think realistically that the answer is going to bed you know early-ish mm-hmm. and not being in front of a tv you know too too long or too late or a screen you know that that just lights the brain up so what would be your evening routine like and what is early-ish nine o'clock in the bed you know and then awake at three thirty, four o'clock you know primarily but it's really about putting into your body what it needs so not taking a heavy meal to bed with you so your body's working to try and digest that while you're trying to rest like for me perfect the perfect scenario is doing what i I usually do um is like have a a first meal at say 10 10 30 and then the last meal at two o'clock and then not having anything until the next day so you're sort of fasting 18 20 hours before you have another meal every day yeah if i can do that but depending on what i'm doing so i'm here i had some some food with my kids last night and that and i never ate until i went for a good run this morning and had some bananas and um i had a little thing at yamara on the way here but um yeah like if you can give your digestive system a break the energy that comes out out of that after it's stripped all the food away and you can actually use that food as energy is amazing you mm. know it really is you you would have done intermittent fasting and being able yeah, to yeah i mean i've dabbled in it but not real like i've been definitely listening and reading about mm. listening to the science and reading about the science mm. but i guess i've yeah, like, and, th- and that's probably where breaking routines is really hard, hard. for me. Absolutely, it's agreed. really hard yeah, for me. I mean, yeah. I've been that that kid that started swimming at ten years of age. Yeah, and all was, that stuff's worked for you. Yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. so you kind of you have your routine where you get up and you have your cup of tea and you move a bit yeah, and you. Yeah. I for me, it's normally just being present when I make my tea, then going out and having my exercise, and then yes, hot shower, cold shower, yeah. whatever. I feel yeah. like come back have have breakfast and hit the day is kind of my routine and and i guess that's where i'm really curious about like for me there's a fear about say something like intermittent fasting and also hard for me to my mind just wants to yeah of course have breakfast at you know each this time it's anxiety really it is is that what it is yeah Yeah. absolutely and you've got to say it's okay i'm going to allow myself to do that and if you start that self-talk then all of a sudden you know the the nervous system starts to settle down yeah that's what it feels like just talking about it right yeah it's it's very difficult so um you know for, for me to go from you know eating rubbish to actually eating better stuff was a was a challenge you know and getting to the gym was a challenge but once my mind started to understand that the routine was starting to to occur and everything was all right because as i said in the book like the negative mind will always try and protect you you know take you back to your old ways all the time and that but once you sort of start saying to yourself you know it's okay then all of a sudden it starts to work 
as in you feel like you can make the change easier if you're I guess you're saying it's like a level of self-acceptance back in that moment so Mm. you're like I hear you thanks for warning me I know this change is scary yeah but maybe we'll just have a go in it'll be all right absolutely Yeah. yeah yeah and if it doesn't work then you sort of say it again and all of a sudden it just starts to happen Hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very amazing. Our minds, and, you know, that reassurance makes a huge difference. Hmm. You know, we're we're sort of bored uh, into criti- crit- criticism by you know through ourselves and through outside influences, but we've got to sort of see past that hmm. you know, and actually just allow ourselves to do what our higher self is telling us to do, rather than you know just the the lower self, you know, pulling us back into hmm. that old way all the time. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that. It feels like it's easier to make changes if you can see a direct benefit from the changes in an immediate benefit. So you want to get better at work and you put in a bit of a routine and your productivity goes up and that day just feels amazing. But I think when we're talking about health, like even though you can make change rapidly, I don't think you feel the benefits of that play out for a little while. Like mm-hmm. it's not oh, not just a lag time. time, it's just a quiet increase in Spot on. Yeah, my word. And see, people want change quickly. Yeah. Uh, they do. That's why they're looking outside. But you've just got to be patient and actually enjoy the moment and what's going on in the day rather than, uh, you know, worrying about getting too far too quick. And I was no different. You know, I was yeah. always wanting to get somewhere, you know, you go to the gym, you look at the muscle books and think, oh, you want to be like that. But it's actually like lifting the weight, watching yourself lift the weight, going for a run, watching the foot hit the hit the ground off, 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 you know, being able to actually realize what you're doing in real time rather than being distracted about the outcome. And that's your, that's your strategy. That's, you, you seem to be quite a, a visual you often have a visual trigger to start your positive strategies but for some of some people it's more kinesthetic feeling so like feeling how the foot hits the ground feeling the weight of the movement of the weight lifting and falling and i think it is really important that we become very aware of like what our preference is in terms of our triggers and Mm. um yeah i'm I'm very visual as well so i i need to i need to see things but i've been working really really hard to develop and it's through meditation myself i do it in my own i've never learned it i just taught myself i do it in bed actually but like learning to become more kinesthetically in tune with myself so feeling things Mm, um, which is really bizarre when you've been completely i know know. segregated from that you're spot on if you can just breathe use the nose use the nose as this parasympathetic nervous system the mouse is sympathetic so, you know, like the yin and yang, you've got opposites. So, you know, breathing through the left nostril will settle anxiety, the right will settle depression, those sorts of things, you know. So there's all these tricks that we don't understand that uh, we can actually start to bring into our game that just make us more whole <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, yeah. And so to wrap that conversation, it's really about finding your models of excellence and and I really believe in working with gurus, like working with people like yourself to understand what is the best strategy and, and how to model that excellence mm. and put that in place in your life Spot on. but yeah. that takes me back to the initial part of the conversation which was that this wasn't always your life absolutely not yeah, yeah I, so, was, I was born into you know what society was telling me to do you know and, and thinking that i had to chase glory to be happy you know to mm-hmm. have a status or 
prove myself to other people and all that to actually you know be happy but that's not what it's all about mm-hmm. it's not what it's all about you know yeah um, so you move you went through the lifestyle of living in Horsham and being involved in AFL and sport and yeah drinking and yeah. you moved eventually down to Tasmania yeah yeah I was in Shepparton for a while okay. and Shepparton's yeah. like a rural right. Victorian community very similar you know and I was all footy drinking all that and uh, and then come down here with work and the the environment was the same. Like all the people that I work with are just, you know, drinkers and, you know, I just, like, I had to break away from that. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't my soul was telling me this isn't right. You know, I've got yeah. to really, you know, change and uh, it took, took time to do that, yeah. And I'm worried in my upset a few apple carts as I say this, but it still hasn't changed. That corporate mm. i'm sorry but the corporate culture and i'm involved in a couple of settings where i sit on boards and there is a corporate culture that still is like if you want to network you need a glass of wine oh, or champagne in your hands yeah. if you want to yeah. like you know get closer to the guys and needs to involve a beer at the pub mm. like sadly spot that on. is it's everywhere it's rife you saw in there how i broke away from it and yeah. like how i played footy and then everyone's like drinking and handing the party pie tray around but i knew that i didn't have to do that anymore yeah and whether it's beers and party pies at the local football club or you're in a really high-end wine bar drinking champagne and eating you know canapes it 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 is the same and yeah I, i guess like i've tried to step up on a couple of occasions and say if we want to be the leaders if we want to show that we're stepping up and we want to make a difference on this planet because god forbid it needs our help Mm. um we need it starts with us and i've been pushed back and rejected on that quite a few times saying well that's not our place like we're not here we're not an organization here for that but i would have thought that this conversation we're having right now needs to be the first conversation really any workplace whether it's in yeah. the fitness industry or whether it's in corporate business working in asx listed company yes spot on absolutely agree and yeah. um no yeah you hit on something really important there because um um well we need to 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 show people that there's a way and you know for me that change was actually understanding what that food was doing to me you know like i know that party pie's got so much of so much salt and so much fat and so forth, you know, all that rubbish in it, what that actually does to my body, you know. It wasn't about going and burning the calories out. I think, oh, yeah, I can have it and then I can go and get rid of it. But it's actually understanding what that does. You know, I'm putting that food in my stomach and then tipping liquid on top of what that does to the stomach. So we don't understand that as humans. We actually, we've got no awareness about you know, what what goes on within our physical body mm. and how it behaves. Once you can actually understand how your mind and your physical body behaves, then you can, you know, really get tools to be able to manage your life properly. But if you don't know that, you're just mm. going to do the same old, same old to try and give yourself some pleasure. It's a big difference between pleasure and happiness. Mm. People think happiness is through pleasure, but it's not. No. You know, it's yeah. so so a totally different thing. Yeah. So on that, you hit rock bottom really heavily like Mm. when was that what year was that again 2009 so we're talking about change profound change that has happened within a 10-year period Mm. i mean you talk about in the book that you were severely depressed suicidal overweight drinking working corporate job with all the stress that went on in that yeah and just coming to a realization that 
in a very abrupt point that you had to make change. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and like as I said, I was really lucky that that uh, that fitness thing ended up in my mailbox because you know I was looking at uh, personal best and places like that and thinking, oh, I can't go there because you know people will see me and mm. you know I'm going with an ego and I'll just try and show off and then I'll just go back down again as quickly quickly as I arrive. If I had the, the the time to be able to go in there while no one was around, then perfect. Mm. You know, it was like you know, as I said, when I took my dog for a walk years ago, no one around. You just get out of the thinking mind, back to the senses, and start to behave the way we're meant to behave. That's mm. really uh, that's really what it's all about. You know, um, so yeah, hitting rock bottom, and and really like, honey, I've got challenges now where I'm trying to really do this as my passion and what I want to do. <laughs> But I'm getting drawn back into. Oh, I think I've got to go make money, and I've got to, you know, go back into corporate Tell world. I don't it. want to do that, you know. That's just <laughs> oh, yeah. He so strongly. Yeah, this is really, yeah. you know, for me to live my purpose, I need to be doing more of this, um, you know, rather than sort of, you know, going. You know, I've got an interview next week to go and do a, a role for a company, which is just going to give me money, but it's not going to really give me, you know, satisfaction. Um, and really, but I just don't think it's an either or, and I and I don't think it would be like in that. I don't feel like I'm coaching now, but turning back the clock and going back to the old way mm. because you you now have such a strong sense of self and such a strong sense of purpose mm. that if those dollars allow you. To, str- to, you know, throw that arrow even further in front of you. Mm. It's just like we have to, I think this is where a lot of us fall into a trap and I fell into it this week and was working with my coach in Singapore on this concept is mm. that I reached a point where I felt like I had so many balls in the air because yeah. I was trying to make, I am, like trying to make basic dollars to kind of keep all the yeah. balls yeah. Moving, moving that I believe in. Yes. And I'd reached a point where I thought it was neither or. I have to pick that one. That I had seven in play, basically. Mm. This one, this one, this one, this one, or this one. Yeah. Um, and I felt like um, we talk about like um, in us that we have like a timeline, right? Yeah. So if you close your eyes and you ask yourself in which direction from my body is my past, and I think a lot of us will feel that past behind them stretching out. And then we think... We can then say, well, where where is our future? If we close our eyes and we feel our future, where is it in? Is it in front of us? Is it a bit off to the side of us? For me, money is always right in front of me. Yeah. And I'd always imagined it was like one straight line behind, one in front. My past, when I think about it with my eyes closed, feels very dark. Like it's quite gloomy. I don't see a lot of detail. Mm. And when I think about my future, it's very bright. It's very colourful. Mm. But what it started to feel like was that rather than this one straight line, you know, one pathway that I was on, the road was splitting suddenly and I was like, Yeah, like, which one am I choosing? Well, yes, that's right, yeah. What I've come to understand through the work that I've been doing with my mentor is like it's purely just helping to guide you right at this moment in time where do you direct your energy. Mm. And if you've – so we actually went through and listed the seven things that I had going in, that were in my brain – where on this like splitting rope were they sitting and some were like way off to the side and some were like clearly right in front of me mm. and she's like if they're clearly right in front of you and you get this sense of them in front of you that's where you need to focus your attention now mm, yeah but it doesn't mean that the other ones aren't as important they're just not now yep. or not 
you might put energy in, but not all your focus. It's not your focus. So, mm. for instance, in your situation, you might have this sense like my purpose is right in front of me, and it's to pull people back onto the straight and narrow and help them step up. Yeah. But you might have like a fringe of work on the side, which is just where you make your dollars. Yes, that's yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you know, I don't, I don't need much. You know, yeah. uh, I, I sort of, you know, I've got to pay private school fees and this, that, and the other. But um, I'm, I'm not chasing a, a new car or anything like that. You know, it's just a matter of, of getting through, um, you know, basics. Yeah. But for me, I need to be getting in front of more corporates and talking about this. I was in Melbourne last yeah. week and did a talk and um, everyone in the rooms just, you know, their drawers are dropping and, you know, they come out getting the book signed and all that sort of stuff. That's great. And, you know, people are reading it and coming back to me within a few days saying, look, I've read the whole book in, in two goes and, you know, these things have come up for me, you know, thank you very much. And the more people I can do that for, the better, you know. But, but this just raises that point that, like, creating massive change like I'd, I actually believe that's how we need to think about it now is like we yes things might happen in increments but at the end of the day we need to make massive change probably mm. all of us we all can have all can make massive steps up mm. but um so many of us are so used to the lifestyles that we've been living um or the security of the job or I've got kids oh, who yeah. are at school and yeah. I have to pay their fees and yeah. I, I guess that's that's part of my question to you is like how do you I guess we sort of said it, but like, how do you help people who feel like stuck in fear. that? Yeah, yeah fear. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, look, it's about finding what makes them happy and listening to that. You know, because that's that's really that's really them. You know, finding what it is that gives them. You know, we'll use that as a scenario. The sympathetic nervous system is fear. That will control you. The parasympathetic nervous system might be the real self that makes you happy. So try and find what that is and, and work towards that and, and just, you know, understand when you're working in that in that realm um, how you feel and, you know, try and tap into that more and more and more. And I think what happens is when I've got out of my own road, the money just takes care of itself. Mm. It just takes care of itself. It mm. comes. But it's actually like you know, getting out of that negative mind to sort of try and, you know, stop pulling you back to actually like let it happen. Mm. And I, 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 I'm not using other examples, but I know of people that do that that just they flourish. You know? yeah. So I'm sort of at the stage where I'm 70%, but I'm sort of pulling back a bit. You know, 30% is pulling me back. So, yeah, you know, for me, if I can, if I can – if I can just have a, a forecast of work consistently ahead of me that I don't have to worry and there's some dollars coming through and that's me being able to offer myself to the world to help other people more. You know, the more in fear I am, then the less product, productive I am. You become yeah. more reactionary rather than visionary at that moment. I think so. I really yeah, hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we're on. sitting at the same yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> cracks in the road. Yeah, but spot I, on. But, I but think getting back to what you do, like I think um, that there's a really good opportunity to be able to use the yin and the yang because the fitness is great. You know, people are running, they're getting, you know, that beautiful sense of calm. Let's get that calm into learning meditation as well. Yeah. You know, and, and learn that meditation so they've got that real balance in their life. You know, they can take away from a tour, um, you know, two modalities 
the yin and the yang, the fitness, and getting back to that pure sense of, you know, the body and mind connection. Yeah. Being able to sort of find that uh, within their daily practice. So. And then the more people that step up and, and explore this as, as a world, the more role models and models of excellence we have. Spot because on. your morning routine is really different to mine. Yeah. But I yeah. would have to admit that I feel like mine works for it, maybe you. it's not optimal but it works for me yeah, and maybe yeah. is a little bit more easy for someone wanting to make the initial step to kind of grasp mine before they get to yours and, and you talk yeah. in your book about yeah. levels of stuff. yeah yeah that's right yeah absolutely but, um, yeah yeah but for instance like yeah i haven't gone through the formal training of meditation and yoga like you've done but um i've taught it to myself and i've always um i struggled for a long time like it was like an inner wrestle of like where does where do I fit it into my day? Mm. Because I love the first thing in the morning is to have a cuppa, throw on my shoes and yeah. out the door and yeah. watch the day wake up. Yep. And so the concept of sitting down early in the morning to meditate just it wrestled with me. That's right, yeah. So yeah. I brought meditation into my evening practice yeah. and I I also wrestled there because I love to go to bed and read a book. Mm. Um, so I didn't want it to impact my unwind time reading my book in bed because it'll put you asleep before you got to the book yeah, yeah, yeah so i would now put my book down a few minutes before i naturally would have previously put my book down and then i try to meditate in bed yeah and it works for me yeah spot on or i wake yeah. up in the night and my head's starting to whirl i bring meditation into my practice in the middle of the night yeah. um even if you just uh bring the soles of your feet together drop the hips out like you'll notice that, um, or the knees out, you'll notice that the nervous system will settle down after a few minutes and then you can start to get out of the thinking mind again. Yeah. yeah there's those yeah. sorts of things you can do. Yeah. yeah. You know? So yeah. the more people that go on this journey, the more models of excellence we can see, Spot you know, on. so that yeah. what might work for one person might not work for the other, but on the whole, we're all, I guess we're all coming together, um, yeah, which is to, really... to understand the higher sense of self and, and really, yeah. um, you know, I can't follow what, um, you know, Guru Ram Das in, um, you know, in the 1500s followed because it worked for him then but it might work for me now. Yeah. So my teacher's given me like a thousand day practice, um, 400 days in and I battle with that, you know, most days um, because really what it does, it just strips away your thinking mind and after I'm in it for 15 minutes, it just, you just feel everything just settle. Hmm. You know, and we did this. Um, I just did a really uh, great um, workshop with a guy from New Zealand on the weekend, and uh, talking about like a third eye kriya. So you know, like a meditation where you're sort of breathing into the back of the brain and then back out again, and then back into the heart and back out again. And that just hits all the targets. You know, so it's like a hack mm. to be able to sort of get to where I'm going with my meditation which has been around for hundreds of years <laughs> but it's actually like gets into the core of it really quickly yeah that's interesting yeah, yeah. so in a funny way i was exploring not exactly that but um when i was in the pyrenees and it was it was laughably unorganized literally like the day before we're still booking flights and buying shoes and um rocking up to the start of a huge adventure but um so we obviously didn't have you know, any massage or physio or (laughs) recovery thoughts. In fact, we didn't have half the nutrition we needed. And so the body was probably under more stress than it needed to be if I'd been organized and I'd done some training for it. Um, So I I did a bit of self-massage, but I didn't feel like it was really working. Yes, yeah. Um, Yeah. So I would use 
more meditative massage. So lying in bed and breathing into different areas of my body, particularly the ones that would feel tight. And it was bizarre because at first um, you'd be like, is this working? And then you'd start to feel these like flutters. And then the flutter would suddenly manifest in my eyelid, you know, even though I was thinking about my foot. And then that would flutter and then that would stop and then suddenly you know, my elbow and around my left elbow or whatever would flutter and it was bizarre, but yep. you keep keep following the flutter and breathing into it and then after a while, maybe like 45 minutes, to even sometimes an hour it would take and you just get this absolute deep sense of peace and you'd pass out and you'd sleep for like 12 hours yep. without even moving. Yeah, your nervous system settles down and, and really where thoughts go, energy flows. So if you understand the meridian system in our body and how that works and how to be able to move chi, you can actually do it by thinking rather than you know physical. So achieving the energy. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you yeah. can, you can do that. Yeah. Um, and these are the things that we just don't understand. Yeah. So our our, our ability, is, we're not even tapping into our potential. Yeah. We're a lot more we can actually do. But I I think this world scares a lot of people, you know. And I yeah. was that black and white thinker too, and you you were too coming out of the the mm. world that you. Came came from and i think it's really confronting for a lot of people my word it is yeah yeah, yeah it is because as i said we've just been so conditioned to think a certain way we haven't really gone into the you know the realm of our, our potential and what we're actually meant to be able to do as humans you know mm. we just haven't touched on that so so what do you see i guess in in a nutshell your purpose is now going forward Oh, honey, I, I just want to do more of this. I want to get, you know, able to, to, to coach people um, that really want the coaching. Face-to-face or? Yeah, yeah, either that or Skype or whatever, but also, um, you know, get out and speak more. Speak more, um, you know, teach them some more yoga. So go on and do anxiety management workshops that are focused around uh, the, or yoga that are, that's focused around anxiety management. So as I said in the book, I think next decade we're just going to be so stimulated uh, like this guy where I stayed last night, you know, it's gone from a, a 40 inch TV to a 102 inch TV, you know, and, and the amount of energy that that's sucking um, is, is amazing, you know, and uh, that's the way that life is taking us. So, you know, the bigger, the better, the faster, um, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, the human body and the human mind hasn't changed. You know, our minds are very much the same. The guy in Alaska's mind's the same. It's just a matter of how he's managing himself compared to us. So we've got all this stimulation. If we're constantly in that flight and fight all the time, then our nervous system sort of says, well, hey, what's going on here? We've got to be able to balance ourselves out. And really it's getting back to nature and getting back to the basics of life. That's what mm-hmm. it's all about, you know. Mm-hmm. You put a bird in a cage and see how it behaves. Mm-hmm. You know, look at what we're doing. You know, we're in a, a built environment. And we're, we're unwilding ourselves, mm. you know, where we really are. Yeah, know? yeah. And so, like, Tony Ruder was yeah. saying, like, his word is rewilding. Spot For on. me, it's yeah. play wilder. Correct. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it is about because, – because I was – like, one of the questions I had for you is what does – optimal health feel like i'm actually curious because i know what mm. my thought about it is but i'm curious where yours is yeah yeah i i was like blessed because i sort of got into the raw food scene for quite a while and running on the beach every day and doing all those sorts of things and um just oh, i had pure moments of, of bliss you know like just that everything's in flow and you know your skin's beaming and all that sort of stuff and um you know, you'd see stress, you'd see things going on and it just didn't touch you, you know. And I just think that's that that, that was it, mm. you know. 
um, whether you see a relaxed animal out there or um, you know how they're behaving in, in their real environment. I was in my real environment, you know, often, uh, and and I just think that's the way we're meant to be. You know, yeah. a pair of shoes disconnects us from the earth. Um, the, the, the 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 setting we're living in disconnects us from you know our real environment. We're in a concrete jungle, human zoo, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, being able to get out of that, you know, often and be able to get back to you know what it's really all about. And that, but that's when you'll find balance in your life. You know? Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Huh. And so do you feel, do you ever feel stressed now? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like, and, and really, like, it happens, at, I've really worked this out, like, it happens at night, like, now, like, um, sometimes I'll feel, like, if I've been giving a lot, like, teaching and that, then yeah. all of a sudden, all the fear will start to come back in, but then I think, oh, look, it's okay, I'll just breathe through that and, and move on, and you wake up yeah. and do your routine again, and away you go. So, this raises yeah. the point that a lot of the work that, that we're doing is to try to break apart the unhelpful emotions and belief systems that come up that come up and rather than have unresourceful emotion to have resourceful emotion so when you have it's not that you don't feel sadness it's not that you don't feel stress but when you have that sadness or that stress you have a tool or multiple tools mm. that you can use to kind of turn back turn and, it yeah. back and turn it around and learn from it spot on it? Yeah. yeah the average person will just go to something you know they'll go to a drink or a food or whatever to try and avoid that but really if you sort of step into it and realize that the best learning's done in the negative you know when, mm. when you see the negative you can actually like move around that mm-hmm. you see a thought coming in you can you know move that on and, and, and take that uh, into something else mm. uh, because you know where that sort of thought's going and that's yeah. the way the human mind will work it'll take yeah. us uh, down that path really quick and you you practice your meditation and mindfulness in a formal practice in the morning but that tool is then in your toolkit that you pull elements of it out when you need it during the day spot on yeah, yeah. my word and, and really it's not me going to bed saying I've got to go and do a half marathon in the morning. It's getting up in the morning and see well, what do I need. Yeah. You know, if yeah. I if I need to go and do that, then I'll go and do it. Uh, if I don't need to do it, then I'll do something else. Yeah. You know? But it's just all about, about connecting with the breath. Yeah. If you can connect with the breath through the physical body, the mind follows that, and then the body settles down. Yeah. So you would have been in a race and you've been a couple of k's from the finish line. You get, you get faster. Mm. But you know, you're going through your thinking mind for the first hour or two before that, and that's actually like, you know. Pardon me, trans, transitioning into the body, and the body's like sort of tense. But once the mind settles and you start to see, you know, where you're going and how close you are to it, then all of a sudden the body just starts to respond and get. Gets yeah, quicker. or you harness your mind. So I just ran a, <laughs> for the first time in like 10, I don't know, maybe more than 10 years, a marathon on the weekend. It yeah. was a road trail, gravel yeah. road, wet yeah. feet, sand kind of marathon. But yeah. um, halfway in, I was just like, dear god what am i doing i know, you know like yeah, how is yeah. this gonna how am i gonna play out for the next 21k but then within 5k my mind had gone quiet yeah and um i started i have this new technique that i use where i imagine the the end or certain point in key points of the course coming up in front of me and um sometimes when you're really fatigued and you imagine the end, for example, it seems so far off in your vision. Like it's like mm. this little 
fuzzy almost black and white image with a border around it and it feels like it's so far away so what you can begin to do is imagine that image growing in your mind's eye like spreading out so it's a big panoramic image and you're looking through your eyes at the finish line and you add noise and sharpen the image add color smell things Spot hear on. things yeah. and yeah. and then um and then drop the image just forget about it yeah. you, you just focus on something else like your footfalls or the view and um and you're running and then all of a sudden you realize you're at the finish Spot on. Yep. and yep. it's Dead like right. time has like totally dissolved Gone. it was yeah i i did it a lot i practiced it a lot in the pyrenees but the weekend was my first experience of really using it in like a formal setting. Mm, mm. Unbelievable. I know, it's amazing. And, and really, that, that's, what, that's no different than human life. You think about the end of the mortgage. You think about, um, um, you know, the end of the day. But you're actually like missing the point of what's going on in yeah. real time. Yeah. So, you know, with a run, like when I was really into it, like you know, properly, I just have small goals. Now, if it was a half marathon or a marathon or whatever... I'm getting from here to here, here to here. So I break it into eight stages, you know, rather than just one big stage. Yeah. Small stages, and all of a sudden you get to that, you get to that, and you've got small things, so your mind can, you know, sort of settle on that. Yeah. Well, that's what it's all about, allowing your mind to settle. Yeah, and yeah. I think you could you could learn this art by by setting in place again a model of excellence, like what you're talking about. Mm. Break it down into small goals, but I think the the ultimate goal is to reach a point where you're so present in every moment of that run yep. that you don't need the goals because you're holding your presence Correct. in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And that's where Get, you perform optimally. Getting back to what we said before about you know the best feeling or the best time of my life was when I was just completely present and it wasn't an effort. It's just, it just life flows. That's the way we're meant to be. We're meant to be living in flow. Mm. You know, and, and that's that's there for our taking. It really is. So do you feel like you're, there's a slight digression away from that feeling? Because you said it was the best time. So. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I know what I'm, the, the lifestyle I'm living in now is not optimum for me, but I know it's just a stopover. You know, so I've had to go back for my dad. My dad's in hospital at the moment and, mm, um, you know, he's struggling. Yeah, so he uh, got taken up there the other day and I was really lucky to come here, but um, he mightn't have too long, it's hard to say. But uh, um, I've learned a lot from him, mm. you know, since I've gone back there just to see the soul, you know. And he said to me, he's confused, got dementia, he's in hospital the other day, I'm proud of you, I'm proud of you, I'm proud of you like this to be, like, you know, and... Um, um, I, that's what life's all about, you know. Mm. It's about here rather than here. It's, mm. it's not about, you know, your intellect. Um, it's actually about, you know, the sense of, of who we really are as humans. That's <laughs> where we're meant to be behaving from, you know. Yeah. We've been so drilled from this colonial model that we live in about achieving and all these sorts of things that actually take us away from our real selves. Yeah. Um, and, and the prison, as I said in, there, in the book, is... Um, Disconnected, disconnected people from who they really are. Mm. You know, people are in there because they've uh, had bad upbringings and made poor lifestyle behaviour, poor, poor, poor lifestyle choices, but they've just got a soul at the end of the day and we need to get back to, you know, their real self to actually help make them behave as humans how they're meant to behave. Yeah. Know? That's what it comes down to. I totally hear that. And, and for me, I think that this brings into the conversation just the importance of working with people to fast-track yourself through them. Mud. <laughs> Spot on, yeah. 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 And, and really, you know, someone's got a problem, they go to a counsellor. The counsellor is, is educated through that university system, which is all about control. We never really get to the core of, of what's going on. 
and then being able to work with that. You know, I don't think we do enough in that space. You know, look at the trauma, what's caused the trauma, you know, dive deep into that, sort it out, and then, you know, give people the behaviors that can actually make them move forward rather than sort of stand still mm. or go backwards. Yeah. So you said that the first step for people to reconnect with their true self is to to listen to what they love like to and to explore that gently in their own way but aside from that you know we've touched on exercise nutrition meditation yoga what do you think is like the fundamental starting point given that most of the people listening probably are trying to exercise and trying to eat well and but what do you believe is the next step to step up into the next higher level of yourself? Be kind to yourself. Actually, right, understand that, that, that it's, it's a gift to be here in the human, human experience that we're in. So actually, like, really appreciate that for a start, who, who you are, you know, why you're here, um, and what, what you can actually bring to the world and actually understand that life is just not in this bubble that you're living in. It's so much bigger than that. But kindness and self-compassion has been a bit of an icky topic recently because, like, for a long time I didn't even know what that meant. You know, I remember someone saying to me, like, what do you do for self-compassion? And um, I just looked at them and I looked at them and I was like... Nothing. (laughs) No, I actually actually delved deep into the um, toolkit and pulled out that I was having a massage the next day. So then the next question they said to me was, is that for self-compassion or is that to... um, help you heal after beating yourself up with exercise yeah, and I just yeah, yeah. looked at them and was like isn't that the same yeah, thing yeah, yeah, you yeah. know and then I was like later on I was like damn it I could have said I had baths mm. I could have said that you know I like to take time to have a cup of tea but like is that is that kindness is that self-compassion what's your definition of it because mm. it's yeah it's yeah. a big one yeah it is uh, I, I, I battle with that too um, certainly I, I think <laughs> You know, the way we're meant to be living as humans is to be compassionate to other people. And, you know, I see where I was, you know, some of this guy again last night, like he's talking about this going on at the cricket club, this going on at the footy club, these behaviours. I see the way I approach that now is with compassion. Hmm. I don't actually fight against it because that's just taking energy away from myself. But if you actually see these behaviours and actually understand that you feel sorry for the way that people are behaving, then all of a sudden you're going to be able to translate a better message to them and also a better message to yourself rather than actually, you know, sort of getting uptight and, and working against it and, you know, um, and then be able to respond with kindness rather than actually criticism because yeah. we're always responding with criticism. You know, you should do this, you should do that. You know, be compassionate about the behaviour, be kind to the behaviour and then all of a sudden you've got a, a realm for change rather yeah. than actually like just... Uh, we see in government like there's so much crap that goes on and just talk but we never get anywhere you know Um, it's not actually like really looking at the cause of the problem what's underneath that problem and then actually making some some positive lifestyle behaviors or changes that actually you know benefit things moving forward and Mm. uh, and that can be done on a small scale or a large scale that's um you know, that's really what it's all about for me, you know, getting out of the, the sympathetic to the parasympathetic. You know, mm. the yin and the yang, as I said, very, very simple. Um, we've got to have that sort of understanding and balance to, to understand <coughs> that we um, can approach things a little bit different way rather than the same old, same old that hmm. we've been conditioned in, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah for, me, for me, I think 
I, I absolutely hear and giving compassion back to other people is, is just such a fundamental part of the human nature, like fundamental. If you see someone behave a certain way, if you respond to them compassionately, watch the way that they behave yeah. back in return. If you if you come at it like totally different, this is where the govern, government model in the prison is, is so wrong because people are just getting, you know, they've already got trauma and they're getting trauma and trauma and trauma put mm. on top of that through, you know, the system that they're in, but they actually could could do with some care. All of a sudden, then you know, over a month, two months, six months, whatever in that time, they're actually going to start to behave a different way because they're getting treated differently. And and really, like it starts with the simpler thing is just a compliment, like just a compliment. Yeah. If you love what that woman's wearing for her shoes, just compliment her on that. Mm, or if yeah. they're looking full of bubbles and sparkles compliment them yeah. on that like that is yeah. the start but i think that the, there's a risk that you can hide behind compassion mm. and not be showing that compassion back to yourself as well so i think for me the deeper level that i came to realize recently and i mentioned it on my ramble on the podcast recently is that for me it was about reaching a place of self-acceptance and that is self-acceptance in the now it's not saying that i accept who i am as the best version of me now where I can't change, like self-acceptance is in a, a, a moment in time, but it's like, this is who I am now. And then starting to think about this is who I would love to be. Yeah. And if we don't accept first, but then dream a little, I think we kind of can get trapped. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. And not yeah. compare yourself with others. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, was, what, what's he doing? What's Tony Robbins doing? You know, all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, just worry about what's going on within your own mind and yeah. your own life in real time rather than, uh, you know, being worried about uh, other other things, you know. Yeah, because you said in your book, like, we constantly look outside ourselves for the answers when we have all the answers that must come from within. Yeah. 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 It took, took me a long time to understand that and I guess yourself too in lots of ways, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of, it's just a matter of actually being able to accept what's going on, um, you know, and, and the way things are and why we're, why we're in the, the lives that we're in that have brought us to this point, mm-hmm. you know, what has brought us to this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, actually being um, able to accept and realise that all these things happen for a reason, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, all yeah. these things happen for a reason and, um, you know, being able to get out of our own road and just let that happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, you're not turning to others to be fixed. Like, especially in coaching, well, that is quite a common mentality that someone comes and thinks that you're going to have all the answers for them. You can bring a model of excellence, but they've got to have the answers of how they apply it. Mm. Um, Yeah, so, okay, so if we had number one is to work out what we love and number two is compassion um, and kindness, what would number three be? That's a really good question. Um, really, look, I guess love. Love is what, you know, really love for the self and love for others. You know, I just think that that's really the, um, the, the core of what it's all about, you know, to be honest. You know, I said to a guy the other day, um, where I go running, there's water hens and there's a duck with the water hens. And that duck has been accepted into this tribe, you know, and it hasn't been segregated or whatever. 
Um, so uh, for me, at the end of the day, it's being able to accept who you are and accept you know, that we're meant to be um, communal as humans. This is the way we're meant to behave. We're not meant to be fighting against each other and all those sorts of things. We've got a world and we've also got all these problems in the world that have been created by ego. You know, and really to be able to understand that that is just an illusion. At the end of the day, the way we're meant to behave is like you know, that bird or, or whatever, being able to accept each other and be able to communicate uh, within rhythm and within the flow of life at the end of the day because that's what it's all about. It's actually mm. being able to love the self and love love others as well. And I was so just against that for years, you know, being – as I might have said in the book there, like after grade four, it's all about, you know, competition and comparison and judgment. Yeah. Really kindness and compassion. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and being genuine is really what it's all about rather than actually like, you know, the th- things that are working against yourself rather than, you know, with the self and with the flow of life. Yeah. I think that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And it's yeah. hard to actually like, you know, I, I wouldn't say I still beat myself up, but, you know, I still am critical about myself sometimes. But that's getting, you know, better and better and better, you know. And, you know, the best people I've met in, in my life are the ones that just love themselves and love what they're doing. They're actually really grateful for what's going on, you know, and where life's taking to them, uh, taking them. And, you know, if we can actually get to that stage, then we're going to be happy. We're going to, you know, let that flow to others and that's going to help others, you know, change their lives as well. And then the byproduct of that is it flows to the planet. Absolutely it does, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a system that's sort of working against it, but, you know, I think that will eventually change. I think it'll, it, it has to. Yeah. And with what I tried to do to get alcohol and all that out of sport, um, that's sending a really negative message out there, you know, eat bad, um, drink, gamble, and then that flows back into the economy. That's really what it's all about. But it's just getting us away from our real nature. Mm. Our real nature is what's suffering. People know that innately underneath, but they're sort of getting drawn to all the materialistic stuff to try and find happiness. But that's really not what it's all about. Yeah. Because the, the government model is, um, I might have mentioned, um, you know, I, I think unhealthy people have just become uh, good for the economy now. And, you know, that, that cycle that we're in is just pushing us back, you know, deeper and deeper and deeper into that. Whereas at the end of the day, you know, we're working against what we're really meant to be doing, mm. you know, to be able to be fit, healthy and happy and, uh, and kind and, and loving to ourselves and others. Mm. We sort of push right against that. Yeah, so it's up to us to try and make changes. So do you ever feel like you obviously have a very strong sense of self and strong sense of purpose, but do you ever feel overwhelmed by the task at hand um yes and no like i know if i can sit in front of a room of 20 people and two people walk away from that with with things and you know that they can actually walk out and change their life then great you know there's going to be 18 people there that don't that go back to their own own old ways or whatever but eventually that might you know actually come around to the stage where one of those two people you know that that will eventually happen so i look at my my parents and i look at other people around um and uh you know that i know that have gone through life and haven't really grasped you know their well-being um you know if if i can get to someone when they're 50 or 60 or 70 uh, rather than you know have them go through their whole life without sort of waking up to some things then then great you know i have a guy that comes to yoga that's 70 at the moment that's been battling mental health issues for a long time and he's off medication since he started doing yoga 
and I've given him a meditation practice that he's doing every day and he just feels great again, you know. So that's someone that I've been able to influence. It's actually been able to take away from, you know, a practice to be able to change his, his own life. But if I'd have come into his life, maybe he would have went through his whole life, you know, taking medication and being able to, um, you know, see life a little bit differently now is, um, is, a, is a gift, you know, and a, and a blessing for him, mm-hmm. I think, at the end of the day. And, um, um, yeah, I guess for me, that's more important than, um, than working up levels in government. Uh, uh, trying to earn more money. Start at the grassroots. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Okay, so I have just a couple more like practical questions. One was um, I was talking to someone about meditation recently and they said to me that they didn't like meditation because it made them feel more depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be your response to that? Because I think there is actually a bit of like – I mean, I certainly, when I first started, it did make me feel quite anxious. Mm. Um, it's getting, it, getting you back to, to, to reality, back to the real self, and then you can start to see, you know, as I said, the, the best learning is done in the negative mind. So that person that's feeling depressed, that's where the learning's done. You've actually got to sink into that and see why that sort of behavior is happening and why those sorts are happening and then be able to come out of it. That's really where it's got to go. So, you know, for me, hitting rock bottom, primarily as I did, the only way I could really go was, was up and out. Um, I didn't succeed at the time. Well, I, I did, but I, I just took it slowly rather than trying to get too far too quick, you mm-hmm. know. Do an arm curl, maybe do five instead of four, um, you know, and then growth starts to happen. Um, and, yeah, for someone that, that struggles with meditation, it's actually getting them back to you know, uh, self-awareness and, and, and their own, own own mind to be able to understand that and then be able to move through that. I so guess, would yeah. you use something like yoga maybe that has Definitely. like a physical element that sort of, it's not a distraction, but it's like a, it, in some ways it's an easier introduction. Spot that. on, my word. So, yeah. you know, physical, the physical side of yoga is, is um, really to be able to get out of the thinking mind back to the sensing mind. Once you're out of the thinking mind back into the senses, then the nervous system settles down and you basically come back into real time again. So you're starting to, to sense. So what you were saying about your meditation in bed, the sensing, and all of a sudden you see changes go on. So if someone can do that and, you know, they're feeling depressed, if they can actually, like, get out of the thoughts and into the senses, they start to discover something, their thoughts are going into a particular, um, you know, uh, pattern rather than sort of going back into the negative, you know, that's mm. really what it's all about. So... So the eight limbs of yoga, the physical side's only one. You know, it's pranayama, it's, it's meditation, it's dhyana, which is concentration. Um, you know, meditation is one of those eight limbs. So the physical body will get you there like it does through running too. Mm. Yeah, the, once the, the breath settles, then the mind follows that, and then the body follows the mind. Yeah. yeah. And you're right, I was going to mention that, but, you know, meditation is one element, but for me, the, the major element that I use is being in nature. Absolutely, and Particularly yeah. moving, running. Well, it's always involving moving, but yeah. running is just, for me, like a profound way to reach a deep sense Same. of peace. But yeah. you can't just go out and think as soon as you put your shoes on, you get there. Like, you have to bring an awareness and a practice to that as well, like My a word. presence. Yeah. Some days it takes longer to get to it and other days you're there instantly. But um, when you were, like we were talking about, like I asked you, do you feel stress? And I mean, I definitely have days where, you know, it creeps up on me. But now I realize the best thing I can do is always just have a pair of shoes nearby, 
and just go for like a 10, 20, 30 minute jog yeah. when I otherwise might have made a cup of tea or something and just yeah, get sat. moving and yeah. be outside. And yeah. you're not doing it for any other reason than just to earth and ground yourself. Spot again. on. Yep, dead yeah. right. Dead right. Yeah. And really what that does, it gets the breath going again. Yeah, okay. Because the mind yeah. will dominate, the breath will shorten. You just watch when you're thinking about how short your breath is. But once you start moving, then your breath lengthens. And then the mind will follow, it will oh, settle. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then the body will start to. Yeah, respond. right. I thought it was more about like getting the actual movement in itself, but you're right. It, you are, you're breathing, and you. I think you also just become present again. Like, yeah. you just. The, the cold, cold shower is the same. Yeah. Get in a cold shower, you know, the breath lengthens, the mind comes into neutral. You start to be in the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, the mind will dominate. It'll take you to the past or the future. That's the way it'll work. That's the way it's always there protecting us. It's always there to be, you know, us anticipating what we're going to do. But if you can actually, you know, learn to hack that, um, you know, through the body uh, or through other elements perhaps, um, like the showers and those sorts of things, then really that's the way we're meant to get back to our real self again mm. and, and, and back to that nice sense of feeling and nice sense of, you know, bliss, I suppose. That's yeah. what it's all about. And swimming really helped too over summer when I hurt my foot and I couldn't run like um, – because it's such a peaceful place when you're in the bubble of the water, but yeah. then you're you're forced into a rhythmic breathing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, breathing yeah. is sort of almost the most important element of swimming. Yeah, um, as right. it is for anything, but it's very aware. You have a strong awareness of that in swimming. Yeah, with um, with what happens with the pool is you know your mind will just be taking you elsewhere for about 20, 30 minutes. And then you'll just, you know, you, your mind will just say, well, bugger it, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, and so I'm yeah. just going to do it. And away you go. So it's like with yoga, if I get a class in front of me, I'll just say to them at the start, it's going to take you half an hour to get your thinking mind, so just accept that. So your mind's going to be taking you out of the room, but all of a sudden I'm going to get you back to being in the room and starting to feel so that grounded again. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, so true. Yeah. Ah, that's why it happens. I yeah. always fight in the first 30 minutes of the pool. Yeah. Like I don't want yeah. to be here. But, but just understand <laughs> that yeah, that's, that's the way it there. is. Yeah. yeah, and it's hard to do that because you just want to relax. But okay. um, doing a breathing practice before you go and do a physical activity helps a lot too. Yeah, okay. Uh, armor, so... You know, breathe in through the nostrils, balance the brain out, let the mind know that everything's okay, you don't have to be protecting me now, then you can get in and do what you need to do. Hmm. Yeah. This is where I think it can really help sports people. So for me, another you know thing I want to do is to be able to help sports people get grounded so they can perform better, mm-hmm. but also um, manage their body better, hmm. you know, and avoid injury, feel better, recover better, um, and just get everything back in balance again. Because if you're tight, you know, you can't perform well. I remember I did the Bernie 10 a few years ago, um, and I was coming like fifth or sixth, but um, I think I did the Freshenay Challenge the, the, the weekend before, and I ran every day. And that morning I did like um, 1,200 Hindu squats. So I thought I always had to be, you know, tight and fit and strong. And I had porridge that morning. And then in the last, I got to the halfway mark in under 17 minutes or something. And then I got blown away in the second 5Ks because, you know, I'd put all this shit and stress on my body. If I'd have just gone into that race, you know, just like I am now with probably like fasting and you know, just being relaxed, then I would have performed a lot better. Hmm. If I'd have done a meditation before I started rather than, you know, thinking about performing and being, you know, at a certain place at a certain time and just enjoyed the moment, I probably would have performed a lot better. But, you know, 
interesting isn't it so interesting and that does bring me just the very last topic i just wanted to touch on um but we won't go into huge detail but is on just your approach to nutrition um because i know that you mentioned that you went quite heavily like plant-based raw alkalizing sort of vegan-based diet but you know where what do you recommend now for people starting out in this world um and i'd love you to talk it to me i predominantly follow plant-based diet but i definitely have a sweet tooth still not so Mm. much for crap but dried fruit and a bit of chocolate and honey and yeah that sort of stuff that kind of side um i don't drink coffee but i love my tea for me it's the warm fluids and yeah what, what does the body, yeah. But yep. what, what really it is is actually being able to follow the digestive process. You know, you know when you've just done a race and you, your body works really quickly, you know, you'll digest food really quick. I, I believe, you know, a guy said to me a few years ago, um, you know, we need to make ourselves hungry, you know, so we're meant to be working and then eating after that rather than just eating for pleasure so you know when your body's prime for food uh, then you'll the digestive process will work really quick uh, and that's the way it's meant to assimilate through the body but um you know being able to be aware of proper food combining and what foods go with what so when they're in the gut like how the gut deals with that um you know not just throwing anything in there and hoping for the best because what goes on in here the mind will respond to and uh, that will make you know, your energy levels and your thoughts, you know, go off track. But if you've got that in unison, then everything sort of works really well. Um, I think, you know, that's something that we just don't understand. I don't think the, the the modern university system talks enough about that or doesn't understand it. It's all about supporting the economy, as I said, like, you know, um, you know telling people they've got to have so much of this, so much of that, but they don't really get into the core of how the body our response to food and how it um, transitions waste and how the energy sort of works from the um, from the apana which is talked about in yoga so you know prana with the breath apana with the, the gut and what's going on sort of you know below the belly button and how that can sort of respond with our energy levels and how that sort of works hmm. so yeah so be able to you know we've got to live in real in the real world and you know i, I i'll eat out sometimes and all that too um you know just to be social but i understand if i have something that my body has not responded great great to then i give my body a break to be able to deal with that before it um, you know takes on another load of food Mm -hmm. you know rather than just eating all the time and having the three meals a day i don't think you know i don't know where that concept come from but i'm sure it came from you know the economic support that goes with eating you know, um, I don't think we need to be eating three meals a day as humans. You know, once or twice is probably plenty, mm-hmm. to be honest, you know, and realize that when our body's in a digestive cycle, it's actually dealing with something. So let it deal with it. Let it settle. Once that's passed and that's out of the body, then I think that's time to eat again. I think that's optimum. Mm-hmm. We can start to get to the stage where we start to feel, you know, uh, how our bodies react to food. Let that 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 go, and then and then eat again. Enjoy the eating process. Be present with the eating process, rather than just using it as a, um, you know, uh, uh, what's the word for it? Um, you know, taking it for granted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think we've been conditioned, yes, to the three meals a day by the clock mm. style, but also that when your energy levels drop, you need 
you need to pick up. Yeah. So how do you work through that, especially when you're doing a lot of like heavy thinking work and, yep. you know, coaching people and yep. you get off the call and you're, um, you feel a bit energy depleted. Yep. Like I think the first thing that my brain and body wants to do is to reach for something that gives me a pick up again. So how you do you... Go how do you do that sit in meditation for 15 minutes and just see how things change okay you'll think i'm not hungry anymore you know yeah. sit and breathe and, and turn your energy inward because you've taken your energy outward for quite a period of time so you're looking outside yourself for something you know you're trying to, to simulate with something if you can just sit down and let your nervous system settle down um breathe properly turn your attention somewhere else and you'll find after that period you're probably not going to feel hungry at all Mm. You make a wiser choice, and if you do have something, rather than just you know reaching for whatever. Yeah, because often it's not hunger; it's it's low energy state, yeah. and I think yeah. That turns into yeah. anxiety, and the anxiety will take you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. really, this is where it's been a real game changer for me to actually understand that um, your nervous system is really what's dominating your life, and if you can actually understand that you are. Uh, in a certain mood or whatever because of you know what's going on before or you know during uh, a certain situation and how you're looking to try and respond to that Um, being able to sort of get away from that situation that you're in do a meditation do a breathing practice and just really start to feel how the body and the rhythm and the mind and the body are are working together so very much similar to what we're talking about you know getting towards a finish line in a race and everything starts to relax and you become quicker and you get there um, because you're relieved. You know, if you're tense from a situation, all of a sudden you're taking that uh, to a choice and sometimes that choice may not make you feel good after, like most people out there are drinking or eating shit, they regret it later. You know, um, just ground yourself, breathe again, get your nervous system back into balance and you'll find that some of those choices will actually be a bit uh, a bit smarter at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Which is hard to do. It's hard to do. Definitely, you know? yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, especially when it, you know, when you're in a city environment, like food and oh, people eating is all around Melbourne. you. Like, I've been yeah. in Melbourne twice this week, you know, and you, you just got to walk. Uh, when you go to Melbourne Airport now, they take you through the food court. Yeah. Just watching everyone there piling in. So yesterday I was there, I looked at every Bay-Marie, and then I thought, I don't really need to have anything, you know. So I got on the plane, came here. Um, we went and had something last night. But usually, as I said, most nights I don't eat. I probably will tonight too. And I've got a big day tomorrow. So I'm teaching yoga. I'm actually doing a book thing at the um, uh, Abbotsford Convent tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be food all around me, but it's going to be good food. So I'll, it's a vegan market. So I'll actually enjoy some food there. Um, and then I'll just listen to my body the next day and have something when I when I when I need it or when I feel like it, you know. Because hmm. I have got you know other things on and I will need some energy. But if I was fasting consistently, I'd need to be in a rested state. You know, if I'm in a stimulated environment, I've got to have you know, some calories to get me through. I suppose, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and we, you know, and like for those people who aren't sitting here and able to be in the room with us, I mean, you look like a picture of health, and yeah. you know, it's not like. <laughs> You're talking about it coming from like a weight loss or scrawny perspective. It's really refreshing to kind of be in the presence of someone like yourself who is so in tune with your body. Um, mm. Today's been just fascinating, like such an interesting discussion. I'm yeah, like super grateful yeah. for 
you know, the probably I don't know how long we've been talking about this, but probably since I launched the podcast, I think I've had you down as someone mm, I wanted to yeah. to have a conversation with. Yeah, and, I'm really grateful that you're you're doing this because you know I just think um, through our own practices we've been able to develop an awareness, and if we can help other people understand that level of awareness. Um, then great, you know, they're going to hopefully be able to transition or transform their lives and they might transform other people's lives and all of a sudden we've got a culture of well-being rather than a reactive culture like what we've got. Yeah, it's like my dear friend who said to me, you know, at some stage, Han, we need to believe there's all these amazing people out there doing amazing things and eventually we all come together. I think it's sort of been a motto that I kind of live by now and and love believing in, I guess it's like, optimism mm. um in a world where it could be easy to feel quite pessimistic about it um yeah. so thanks for today's conversation and i really hope that people continue to reach out to you and um i'll definitely put all of the all of your details and what you do in the show notes so like people can make contact but um i definitely feel like there's so much more i'd love to learn from you yeah cool no, same with me absolutely i agree the masculine feminine is something that we don't touch on yeah uh, enough you know yeah. and being able to understand that we all have masculine masculine feminine uh, qualities to ourselves but also mm. be able to blend with with each other to be able to you know explore life in general is uh, is really important you know yeah. um, as I said in the book before I say I love you you first must understand I you know <laughs> so you've got to be able to understand who you really are and how your mind and body work to be able to love someone else but first you must love yourself Hmm. Yeah, that's what it comes down to I think at the end of the day which is a hard thing to do but totally. I think we're all we're all getting closer to that yeah and then I like I um put alongside that like for me what I try to work on is a lot of people who want to who want to step up and want to perform but haven't yet done the groundwork of understanding who they are and having that place of self-acceptance of I yeah. so it's really interesting like you're coming from yeah. the the love healing compassion side and I guess like because of my background, I've come from the performance side and yeah. yet our philosophies are still the same. But at the core yeah. of everything is like the importance of developing that deeper sense of understanding about yourself. Yeah, absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah, that's right. And, and yeah, we, we just get so drawn away from that and, and life's becoming more and more challenging and it's drawing us further and further away. So uh, get grounded every day, do things that you love learn to love yourself and life will flow and be better from there you know that's what it comes down to i think definitely perfect what an awesome place to finish thanks so much